This is episode 37 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi, dear friends. Thanks so much for joining me today. I have a wonderful episode to share with you where we are going to be talking about intentionally cultivating your family culture because this is something that I am actively working on in my house right now. And I just really wanted to have some valuable insight and perspective from different people on this topic. We are doing a whole series on this topic over on the Kinder Mom blog this month, and I hope that you'll go and check it out. I wrote a piece that will be up this week that talks about some of the lesser expected things that contribute to how our family culture develops, and I hope that you find that really valuable. Today's conversations are with Lynn Patty and Jennifer Van Winkle as the first half, and we're going to be talking about what intentional family culture looks like in our own families and the things we struggle with and some of the things that we do to help invest in building strong relationships with our kids and our husbands. The guest that we have on the show today is a friend of mine. Her name is Laura Cook. She is a very awesome and wise mother of 11 children. I have found that she has invested a lot of things in my life over the last five or six years that I just wanted to have her on as a guest really because she's brilliant and so committed to family. I hope that you enjoy what we talk about and take away some gems of wisdom from her. Thanks for listening. Well, I'm glad to welcome Lynn Patty and Jennifer Van Winkle back to the Kindred Mom podcast. And today we're going to talk about how we can approach intentionally cultivating our family culture. So ladies, hello. Hello. Hey, it's nice to be here. I'd love to begin by talking about what our family culture is like in our own homes right now. If you want to jump in and just tell us about what it's like in your house and how the members of your family relate to each other. Sometimes it feels like a jumbled mess. <laughs> it's not like it's not something that I feel like, oh, well, I can tell you eloquently what goes on in my house because it's all very intentional. And well, right. I, would love, I would love to say that it is very messy. And I do feel like I have the best of intentions, but a lot of times it doesn't come out that way. You know, we make mm-hmm. a whole lot of mistakes and do a lot of things, make concessions for things that I'd rather not include in my day, like having the kids watch TV more than they should watch TV. And mm-hmm. yes, I, I just feel like it's another area that you can feel very pressured to do the right thing as a mom, as a parent. Mm-hmm. And we just, I, I feel like for me talking about family culture, I have to just let a little bit of that go. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Jenny, because I think, I think that mess that you're talking about is really relatable for me that I feel like in the scope of a week, we can throw together a few good days in there, you know, and that mm-hmm. ends up being good. Our family currently is in transition. Um, I just had a baby seven weeks ago. So that really has affected our family culture because not only are we still learning how to relate to one another, but we're adding another personality, another mm-hmm. stress in the mix. So for sure, we are. I feel that mess very mm-hmm. much. Yeah. But at the same time, when I think about our family, culture, I do feel like there's certain things that we take a hard line on, whether it be how our children speak to us, the parents, and Mm -hmm. how our children speak to each other. That's a big, big deal for Mm -hmm. us. And words mean something. And we can talk about 
we have a, a sign in our home that kind of um, embodies our family values, what they have been for the past few years, just one word kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, family culture is important. What we are trying to do here is not just throw together the days and just be like, well, I think that was good enough. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree with you, Jenny, like you can't be intentional all the time, but I do think that it's important to be thoughtful. How about you, Em? Yeah. So my family right now, I feel like we are also kind of in a transition period, but not because of any big event. Like I haven't had a baby recently and we're not in transition moving to a new place or that kind of thing. But we have had some changes to how we do our schooling. And I have three kids who are on the preteen cusp of teenager life. And that's a new zone for me where I just feel like the dynamics of our family are changing and navigating what that looks like is really tricky. Like you said, Jenny, really messy because I think so much of the way we evaluate our family culture is often reduced to kind of simplistic. Is our family fun? And are we making memories all the time? And are we like just kind of like a pressure to make sure our family culture meets some expectation that is set from outside? It's like a social media, a social media kind of thing. It's almost like a... I don't know, some kind of ideal that we're striving towards, but may not be reality for where we currently are. And so as I've been thinking about this, I've just been thinking about family culture being a way to honestly evaluate the relationships between the members of my family and how are we getting along? How are we communicating to each other? Are there ways to just kind of see beyond the mess to their hearts and seeing that You know, there are a lot of surface level things that don't necessarily add up to what our family culture is. I was just having a conversation with somebody recently where I was talking about how our lives are messy. There's, you know, clutter here and there. There's dishes always in the sink. There's lots of laundry to do. There's places to go. And it just feels like a constant grind. And that has a bearing on how everybody's getting along or not. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I feel like there's an undercurrent of our love for one another, our connection and our shared experiences, that those things are more responsible for our culture than the surface level things that are the tasks of everyday motherhood. And as I've started thinking about it that way, it's really comforted me to see that even if we have a bummer day, even if we have a breakdown or squabbles between kids or some of those things that feel discouraging in the moment, that the undercurrent of our family culture is our commitment to one another and our seeing through the conflicts to build the bridges that we're building in these years. So Emily, is that something that you have like intentionally said, this is what the undercurrent is, or is that, do you feel like that's something that has bubbled up just naturally? How how did you develop that as a family? Yeah, I think it's something that I'm just starting to see. It's not, it's not necessarily something that I have decided this is our undercurrent and this is where we're going as much as it's just paying attention to the fact that if I'm evaluating how I'm doing as a mom based on all the surface level tasks that aren't getting done, then of course I'm going to be discouraged. (laughs) But if I see the deeper connections that we are making and someone just mentioned a couple minutes ago about the way that our children speak to us or to one another and the basic respect that they exhibit towards each other because they don't know that intrinsically. Like we have to teach them that. And it's one of those things that 
I think intentionally cultivating our family culture means we have to acknowledge there are a lot of different influences that go into creating this, the, the stress that we mm-hmm. feel as parents and the season that we may be in as a family with transitions or with individual child's challenges and the personalities involved or the traumas that we've been through and carry into our parenthood journey. And like, there's just a lot of different threads that go into the mix. And I think when we can start acknowledging all of those different things that are helping to form our family culture, there are certain things we can do to be intentional, but we don't get to just sculpt this to perfection the way that we would want to, if we could control all of those facets. It's really, a lot more about just making an investment in the longer term relationship versus the short term fix it right now kind of things. Mm-hmm. Right. What I hear you talking about is a little bit like having an awareness of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And what I have been reflecting on is that our children are really great observers. Like if you were to Mm -hmm. boil down how a kid learns anything, it's through observation and trial Mm -hmm. and error, but but largely observation. And so with that, our children are fantastic at mirroring back to us the things that we do well and the things that we Mm -hmm. don't do well. And I think that that also has to do with like the culture that maybe we aren't aware that we are putting out there. But when mm-hmm. our children start behaving in a certain way or are doing things that kind of like, where did that, where did that interest come from? We could say, mm-hmm. Oh, maybe that, that interest in building things because we're always talking about building things or we're, or we're out doing projects in our backyard or something like that, because that's just mm-hmm. the kind of people that we are. And so that intrinsic culture is sort of there Mm -hmm. and that can set you up for, I really like what I'm doing. I didn't realize that I really Mm -hmm. like what I'm doing. Um, or there are little things that I'm not so excited about this behavior that I'm seeing my kids, you know, performing Mm -hmm. that I I were to be really honest and look at myself. I say, Oh, that's probably because they've learned it from me. And that's my opportunity to change my culture, you know, that's, that's yeah. my opportunity to be intentional about what I'm doing. Well, I feel like what you're just saying, Jenny, is sometimes the, the thing that I beat myself up over the most, which is that I drive the ship. I lead the ship. My husband and I are the ones who mm-hmm. are guiding this ship. And, um, and it's, it's a very profound kind of yeah. job to, to, it's a very profound job to steer this big ship. I just think it's so important to recognize the power of our attitudes as we come to the table every morning to serve breakfast as we return home after being out for a while. I mean, every time I enter the situation with my kids, I'm really setting the tone for how things are going to be. And it doesn't mean that I can like really pinpoint and control each person's attitudes and their actions. But I just know if I show up with a lightness of heart, ready to laugh, scooping kids up and hugging them and sending them off to do a task or work on their schoolwork. That's so different than if I'm just like trudging up the stairs. <laughs> I'm not really happy to be awake. Grumbling under your just, breath and all this sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so just, and it's not something that's supposed to be a heavier weight, but just recognizing if you don't like how negative your household yeah. is, then start with your own 
injection of humor and fun and spontaneity and whatever it is that you can just for that day. And I just think that this is where this is really landing heavy for me is we talk about self-care a lot. I keep coming back to the self-care series from January. And I just think this is so much more foundational for me personally than I realized. And the more I think about it and the more I talk about it, the more I write about it, the more I am just aware that I can't possibly show up in my family with any level of energy or joy even if I am not fueling myself, if I'm not nourishing my body, if I'm not getting adequate rest. And I know that that seems like, well, that must be so nice if you can do all those things perfectly because truthfully, if you have babies or toddlers, young children of any age, you're probably not getting enough sleep and they're so much stacked against us. But that's one reason why I just want to keep talking about the practical things that we can do to boost the morale of our families, which we have to start with our own morale if we're constantly discouraged or feel lonely or feel like, you know, the burden is too heavy, then we've got to look at some things and see how can we simplify? How can we be able to find the joy in our mothering journey that is missing? Well, I think you said something really profound, just that, you know, it is about what you can do, the decisions that you can make to, to adjust your own attitude. And those little Mm -hmm. adjustments do end up turning the ship after a while, just because of the nature of how it works. And when you start thinking about it, it's like, I am not responsible for turning this gargantuan thing that I have not enough power to do on my own. But yet, if I just do the small change in my own attitude, then that over time can turn the ship. Let's talk a little bit about marriage, because I feel like that's a really, you know, that's the major relationship uh, in the home, at least Mm -hmm. for a lot of us. And what does that look like in terms of steering this big gargantuan ship? How does that look for you guys? I think that the communication that I have with my husband is a really important part of cultivating our family culture because I see many couples where the breakdown of their communication kind of follows with a breakdown of morale in the family and not everybody feels like their needs are being met and not everybody feels like they are heard because not everybody is saying honestly what they need to say about where they're at. And that's one of my things when I see newly married couples that are kind of sorting out the kinks of how they're going to relate to each other. So often it is like emotionally supercharged conversations that devolve quickly. (laughs) I only know this from experience, so no judgment. But in a marriage relationship, we have to be able to communicate honestly. And sometimes that communication is about things that are not super comfortable or not really like it's not really exciting to have to talk about. Well, these, you know, things on the list need to be dealt with, especially the less glamorous jobs. But I have found that as my husband and I have gotten on the same page with planning out what we want our weekend to look like and talking about, okay, so on Saturday we're doing these things and on Sunday we're not going anywhere and we're going to rest or have the afternoon to just have a screen-free time with the kids and we'll either play games or cook something in the kitchen or that kind of thing that 
getting on the same page is so much about the communication and our marriage connection. Yeah, I think that this is a big one where kids are watching us and listening. And I have a a, just a quick story where my husband and I don't yell a lot or fight with Mm -hmm. one another like that any anymore, at least. And last year, I remember we were having a really difficult conversation and the three older kids all were within earshot and they were Mm -hmm. devastated. They were like, oh my gosh. And, And within minutes, all three were actually crying. They were so worried about hearing us, um, with voices that were maybe a little bit more, I don't know, argumentative Mm -hmm. or louder or whatever. And we both realized like they, they actually need to hear us, um, resolve conflict. You know, they have to hear us, uh, in the way that we are going to still speak Mm -hmm. respectfully to one another and not name call or all the, uh, you know, all the junk. Seems like it would be really good to talk a little bit about sibling relationships and how how kids relate to one another in the same home, because that's kind of where we're at right now is we have six kids involved and they all are sweet and special and have their own flavor to bring to the family and at the same time, they all have individual needs that are unique and challenges with each other and just getting along over the territory that they're in or the toy that they have or so-and-so got to do XYZ activity and I didn't get to do that. And so I'd love to hear from you about um, the things that you do to help your kids deal with disappointment and get through conflicts that they have with each other. Oh gosh, that feels like a huge one for me right now where I feel like I'm up to my eyebrows and that kind of stuff too. <laughs> do people say up to my eyebrows? I don't know. Just I don't know. <laughs> Works for it's, me. It's, That's how I feel. It's worse than up to my eyeballs. It is I'm up to my eyebrows. And so um and so you know, it's just the, the squabbles back and forth. I have twins and so they've done this their whole life long of, you know, I, I wanna do the same thing and I've got a a sibling that's right there, my same age, my same development. They're mm-hmm. always vying for for the same thing, it seems like. And we throw another child into the mix and it just feels like it is it's larger, right? And so I've sometimes I let them resolve their squabbling. I don't intervene sometimes because I mm-hmm. feel like it's important for them to be able to work things out. But when I'm listening and all I'm hearing is screaming and you know, and just yelling and baby crying. And it's like, okay, let's come in. Let's try and figure out what's going on. And I find that what's been working best is to just in a loving way, have everybody leave that space. Like just mm-hmm. everyone leave the space that's filled yeah. with the toys that we're all squabbling mm-hmm. over and let's go do something completely unrelated. Like for instance, mm-hmm. today we had a blow up and I was like, let's go get a snack. I'm the kind of mom that never gives a morning snack, but I was like, let's go eat something. <laughs> and the one of my sons was like, I'm hungry. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah. So here's a need that you have that uh, you don't, you don't yeah. know how to articulate, but I... And I was like, oh, mom, mom for the win and figuring this out, going, need some food and you 
the distraction. Yeah. And, and that seemed to work so well in, in just diffusing yeah. a whole blow up situation. So a big one for us right now is fairness. That's not fair. Why does he get to do mm-hmm. it? And I don't. And we honestly tell our kids all the time that it's just life isn't fair. There's no, <laughs> there is no way for us with five children to be fair. It's just yeah. no way. Yeah. And so a lot of times we use age as a consideration. So, well, why did she get to do that? Well, she's three years older than you. So mm-hmm. maybe when you're her age, yeah. you'll be doing things like that. I think with siblings, fairness is just, you can't, it's never going to be fair. How about you, Em? I've had that conversation with my kids at different times where someone comes to me and usually it's with a complaining attitude mm-hmm. of why mm-hmm. they, they didn't get what they wanted. And I just say, honey, do you know my heart for you is to do what I can to make your life full of wonderful things? And they look at me and they nod up and down with their big blue eyes. Yes. And I'm just like, I'm looking for ways to make sure that you get to have some fun either with your friends or doing something that you love. And right now that's just not an option. And I just ask them to trust me because that is true about my heart for them and they know it. Mm. And I feel like it just kind of cuts the complaining at the quick because we can no longer squabble over who got what. It's much more of, do you trust me as your parent that I'm looking for opportunities to lavish love on you Mm. in a way that's Mm. unique to you? And also we talk about right now kind of the big struggle. It's I say struggle only because it's a constant thing, not because I feel powerless in the struggle is just the retaliation between siblings. So one does something to another and then that one retaliates and then they both come to me and want me to fix it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, like everyone has to have consequences because we're not going to weigh, well, this action was worse than that action. And so they're starting to figure this out that if they can't work it out, then they can either both have to pay the consequences or I'm not going to involve myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're going to retaliate against someone else, which to me, this is grace-based parenting. We have to teach them how to be gracious, even if another sibling is doing something. And I'm not talking about abusive behaviors. I'm talking about minor annoyances. If one sibling is annoying another, they have to learn how to either handle it themselves in a gracious way or come to me before they have retaliated and ask me, what can I do? And I tell them, you can come to me and ask me, what can I do to help this problem stop? Mm. And I will either deal directly with the child if I need to, or I will give them ideas. Why don't you try this and try to help them come up with a solution that they can then have their own agency as they're dealing with that conflict. And I think that that has been helping some. It does not mean that we have no trouble, but it is something that's helping. And I just wanted to mention one of the things that I've been doing with my kids um, in the last year or two, really, as I've had the older ones who are more able to really have power over their own bodies. And, you know, I know the younger ones are harder because there's just so much impulsive stuff. And then when they get to be like six, seven, eight, I feel like this is a, a really appropriate way to handle their small infractions with each other, especially if one has inadvertently hurt the other one in some physical way, as I just make them stop and look at each other in the eye. Mm. And my boys, especially who are right now eight and 10, when they have gotten so angry at each other because one stole a bouncy ball and the other one, you know, I don't know, 
Torah book or something like that. They're all over dumb things. I just, I make them look at each other and I will let it be awkward. Okay. And I will say, keep looking at your brother. This is your brother. Your brother is an awesome person. Look how awesome he is. And I just start no. saying things like affirmative things until they crack a smile and they they don't forget about what has happened. But I just feel like it does kind of change the tone when they it humanizes their sibling that they have been like perpetrating minor annoyances at all afternoon to see this is a person. Yeah. Yeah. This is a person who's in your family that it's your responsibility to love them and to do good yeah. to them. And so it's been helpful. The looking in the eye and also the come to mom and I'll give you suggestions. What what I hear you saying is that it's relational, that the mm-hmm. relationship is more important than any other thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, really love that. That's very helpful for me to hear. Yeah. That's one of the phrases in our house that we <laughs> that I've been saying over and over and I just I've yet to know if it's, if it's helpful, but I'm just going to keep saying it is that Mm -hmm. people mean more than things. People matter. People matter more than things because it's often like he took my Lego. Mm -hmm. I didn't want him to take that blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, it's like people matter more than stuff. And I'm just going to keep saying it. I hope that it sinks in. Yeah. That's very, very well, and good. I think too, like, yes, people matter more than things and you can yeah. talk out your problems. Yeah. That's one thing that I just think my kids, a lot of the time they're trying to like jostle for power or oh, totally. you know, have yeah. one child in particular who just really wants to be in charge of everyone mm-hmm. else at all times. <laughs> and I constantly have to say, you're not in charge. And he looks at me like, I'm going to still try to be in charge. And I'm like, "Mm, well, that's not working out for you so well. But giving them opportunities to practice, just speaking what they need or saying that's one reason why if they come to me and they're talking about this is a problem I have with so and so, I don't necessarily see that as tattling. Mm -hmm. If they come and they're screaming and whining and like the whole deal, like you can come back to me when you're going to speak to me. Yeah, right. Because it's not that I don't care about your problem. It's that you're not even going to hear what I have to say to you that will be constructive if you are freaking out. (laughs) So those are some things. And circling back to intentional family culture, I think all it takes to be intentional about this is to see all the different facets that go into just the vibe of our house. And there are things that we can do to bolster that and boost that, which I think are things like family vacations and movie nights and meals around the table. And it's really the in between those high moments that the really the real mm-hmm. culture is happening. Yeah. Those are the, my yeah, thoughts great. about that. It's a great conversation to have. I'm, I feel a little bit during this podcast, like I'm like, oh, I just want to keep listening to you guys. <laughs> um, um, it's really good to hear all of this, especially considering that we are going through a transition now with a baby. And I just think it, it can so easily be forgotten who we are, what we stand mm-hmm. for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the things that are important to us as a family. It's and, and what's also helpful and hopeful is that I'm like, oh yeah, we do have that. We do have a culture, you know, we do have a, a sign on our wall that says what we are as a family. And, and that's good. It's good to remember all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, and I wanted to just encourage people to think about what are your core family values. And sometimes we really have to think about that because there are things that we might say off the cuff, our family value is this, but if it's not something you've done in the last six months, maybe it's not. 
And it's okay if your priorities are different than what you necessarily think they are. But if you can tease out with your husband or talk with your kids if they're old enough to care or know what you're talking about and just say, these are the things that we agree as a family are our values and create a family mission statement, whether it's a a real serious, you sit down and write it, or it's something that the phrase that you were saying, Jenny, is somewhat Mm -hmm. of a family mission statement to just say that people are more important than things. And I just think that that would be a really good practical exercise to do. And I don't actually have a a family mission statement. I think we have some quirky family values things that I could point to and say our core values, but it's kind of one of those things that there's not a wrong answer. There is your own family story and what you decide with your husband is going to be your focus and purpose as a family. And then just supporting that with the decisions you make about your calendar and about the things you commit to Mm -hmm. and the way that you operate in your home together. Someone had encouraged us early on in our marriage to have just the phrase, like you're saying, and then Mm -hmm. that that worked for us for a lot of years. And then um, we started to uh, have kids and wanted to change or not change, but just Mm -hmm. add to it, whatever. And the thing that worked for us is just words, like just Mm -hmm. kind of uh, one of ours is lifelong learner. Another one is adventurous. Um, Mm -hmm. So so that because I I find it a little bit more difficult to like be like, this is our family mission statement. All these beautiful sentences that embody all of us. That's a little overwhelming for me. So just having those like adjectives, just like we have, I think, seven Mm -hmm. um, kind of describing not only who we are, but who we want to be in the future as well as a family um, has really has really helped us. Well, I just think of the whole idea of culture and I had to look it up in the dictionary a little bit just to kind of figure out what is culture. And what struck me in my research about this particular term was that it's about a particular group of people. And it got me thinking like, Mm -hmm. what is, what is particular about our, our home? What is particular about like, if someone Mm -hmm. were to say, someone were to think of my home and my family, the particular group of us here, what would they Mm -hmm. say or what would I want them to say? And that for me is just like, it helps me to define what it is that I'd like to strive for in being Mm -hmm. a particular group of people set apart from the rest. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to add as we close out here that I just am thinking of being intentional about our family culture, less about putting out the small fires that are day to day and more about the the long game and the long term vision for the wisdom that we invest in our kids and the relationships that we help them build with each other, which is just so multifaceted. And we can invest in that in so many different ways. But if you are intentionally putting effort in that direction, especially together with a spouse, especially as your kids grow old enough to be a part of shaping that vision for where we're headed as a family, that that really has long-term impact. And even from my experience coming from a broken home, I still carry things that I shared with my family as a five-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old until that all broke down. And the things that I think my parents invested in me as far as a strong work ethic and a value for others. And you know, those things are, are what I'm thinking of when I think of the yeah. long-term family culture pursuit hmm. is it is it's mm-hmm. not just are we yeah. all getting along today <laughs> it's yeah are we 
Are we making a deeper investment in being connected with each other for a lifetime? That's good. I'm so excited today to have a sweet friend of mine, Laura Cook, who I know from my community Bible study group, and we have been going to the same one for the last several years together. So we have gotten to know each other over time and spent time with our families together. And so Laura, welcome to the Kindred Mom podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. One thing is especially remarkable about your family is that you have 11 children (laughs) and that's when some eyebrows go up. (laughs) You know, it's not necessarily close to the norm, but I just have learned so much from watching how you mother and have gained so much encouragement from you from our direct interactions. And so that's one reason why I really wanted to have you on the show today to talk about intentional family culture and how you have cultivated yours. So would you begin by telling us a little bit about you and your family? Um, Yeah, thank you. I'm honored to... um be here. And um, so mm-hmm. my husband and I met in high school. So we've been together. Um, mm-hmm. I think we just figured out this year will be 31 years. And I, the question I'm always asked is, did we both come from large families? And no, we didn't um, <laughs> not intend to have a large family when we were young. Um, we were going to have two and, you know, a boy and a girl and... <laughs> That's the way it was going to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in our early years, we um, we had a surprise baby and then we struggled with fertility issues and we took our fertility into our mm-hmm. own hands in the means that we were seeking fertility intervention from a doctor. And so um, mm-hmm. we used fertility drugs for so baby baby number three was drugs and four Mm -hmm. um baby number five we were taking fertility drugs Mm -hmm. but um I actually conceived during a time when I shouldn't have (laughs) and and all Mm -hmm. of that is very well charted when you are going that route so um then we were done we that baby was conceived and we felt like we were done and God just intervened in our lives and we thought that Mm -hmm. I couldn't ovulate on my own and then lo and behold I did and Um, Mm -hmm. I remember my husband said to me, you know, if God wants to give us another baby, he'll give us everything we need, all the love and provision and support we need. And I was like, okay. And from there, we just opened our hearts to what God had. And that was quite a journey because of course I thought, well, if I was open to whatever God would give me, that he would just continue to give. And in the process, Mm -hmm. I realized, no, he may not. Like that was an assumption on my part. And so we have had 11 babies and we had two miscarriages along the way. And every, the process of every pregnancy has been a journey and it's just been delightful really and 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 refining yeah. as well. Well, and your family is delightful also and Thank we, you. we were able to spend one summer seeing each other every week doing a book club with a couple other women. So that was probably the most special time that I've spent with your family, just being able to see your kids interact with each other and how they played with my children and others that were there with us. And I just know that you have some very specific values as a family that have kind of shaped what your home feels like when you're there, the atmosphere and the way everyone relates to each other. And I'd love for you to talk about your values and if you have a family mission statement or something that guides you as you cultivate that in your home? Okay. Um, So as far as a family mission statement, 
really it all comes back to God's word for our family. And Mm -hmm. again, this has been a process of time. Um, My husband and I weren't always walking with the Lord. And as I was finding more relationship with Christ, my heart just really started Mm -hmm. turning strongly, almost to give up my whole being for who God wanted for our family. And um, my husband wasn't yet a believer. And then after our fifth baby, he became a believer. And Mm -hmm. that was radical change. And so from there, we always come back to the verse in Deuteronomy 6. And it says, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all Mm -hmm. your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your Mm -hmm. gates. And that to me is about living day in, day out, every moment, Mm -hmm. just impressing upon our own hearts and our children's hearts, this walk with the Lord, Mm -hmm. like all of the statutes and what, and what does his word say? And in every situation we're in, what does God's word say? And that's just how we reflect Mm -hmm. our lives. Well, I definitely see that. And I, I just want to say, because no one else has the same privilege of seeing or knowing your family the way that I do from my vantage point, that your family is one that really is radically humble. And I see you serve one another. I see your kids really treat others with such kindness and respect. And it's one of those things that for me as a mom with younger kids and less experienced than you to look on in, like, I know it's, it's also not a perfect family. I know you have your ups and downs and struggles, but I find it super encouraging to see that you can have that number of bodies (laughs) in a home Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. have that amount of peace. And that's one thing that I'd love for us to unpack a little bit, just down to the nuts and bolts of how your kids navigate through like how you journey with them to establish that kind of atmosphere in your home because I will tell you what my home is not nearly as peaceful as yours (laughs) and I just really want to learn I know that so many moms want to learn how can we posture ourselves and how can we practically work through the challenges of our days to work towards that because I'm I'm tired of the chaos (laughs) you know like I'm, I'm ready for order and structure and and love and respect and connection. And I just don't always feel like I have the tools that I need to get there. So I'd love for you to talk about that a bit. That's really good. Um, So I have struggled and still do struggle with this. My, you know, you probably walk into my home when, um, you know, we've prepared. (laughs) (laughs) And again, like the whole thing has been a journey. And, um, you know, in my earlier years, I was learning how to do it. And I didn't come from a home where um, it was exampled to me how to run a household. And so I really was learning, you know, from point A. And so my favorite thing to do would be to, you know, look up what other large families do. And this was before we had a large family, but I figured, well, if a large family person could do it, then I could do it with three and, you know, that type of thing. And so, uh, and that was always my Mm -hmm. passion was bringing it back to our family being the center. And along the journey, Mm -hmm. again, just like I said, it's a journey. I 
came across this verse and this is kind of my own personal life verse. And it's not like our family mission statement or anything. It's just me personally to remind me. And I, it's in John 12 Mm -hmm. and it says, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And to me, somewhere along the line, Mm -hmm. early in my journey, I came across that verse and recognized God was saying, you have to die to yourself, Laura. You have to, in order to bear fruit, mm-hmm. you have to die to yourself or you're going to remain alone. And mm-hmm. boy, once I was willing to embrace the sort of dying to myself, it totally changed our home mm-hmm. because, you know, the mom always sets the thermostat for the home, right? Like we can be having a really hard time, but mm-hmm. if mom starts sort of singing a song or doing a little funny dance or you know, it's a situation where somebody maybe would be in trouble, but I give them a great big hug instead. And it's a surprise. It totally changes the atmosphere. And there's just sort of that that camaraderie, I would say, that comes out of it. And same with even, even just this evening, my children are playing a board game together and they're having this little bicker, bicker, bicker thing. But there's also sort of this silly giggle. Well, the silly giggle is almost like a mm-hmm. teasing giggle. And instead of going, mm-hmm. ah, he's quit, you know, I just said, oh, giggle, giggle, giggle. And then they all sort of realized, oh, yeah. mom's listening, you know, mm-hmm. it, you know. Yeah, I totally, um, I think even just talking to you for the last few minutes, I think there are things that come to my mind about how, at least in the place that I'm in, and I would say, I know many other moms are in this place where we just want to fix the problems. (laughs) We just want the short solution that gets us from, you know, whatever chaos we're in right now to peace and harmony and all the good things. And I would love your thoughts about that because even in the last few minutes, I'm just seeing that your approach and your perspective is different than mine in a good way. And I'm, I'm taking notes <laughs> for myself, but just the, the short, convenient way is not always the best way. I'd love for you to talk about that. Right. Too. That is, I think that is what I learned along the way too. Like you feel like if I just read this book, then I'll understand how to discipline properly and then everybody will be in order. And how come that family looks so well put together and they're always so, you know, well behaved and those things. And really that is pride. Like that's a prideful thought to want it to just be perfect because, you know, it is, I think I've, this word journey just Mm -hmm. keeps coming out of my mouth this evening, but it's, it's true. It (laughs) is this journey of, it's a journey for me and learning to be more lighthearted. And it's a journey for my children to learn how to not fight with one another and how to be joyful in someone else's joy. And, you know, and I said it before, for us, it all comes back to God's word because we're just constantly trying to, when we discipline, we will use God's word to say, well, you know, this is what God's word says about that. But then also when we celebrate, we are, we're, it's constantly on our lips. So I think, you know, God's word doesn't come back void. And so mm-hmm. it's being implanted in their hearts and, you know, what's mm-hmm. in their heart is what's going to come out of their mouths. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, and so I have a few questions that I've kind of gathered from the rest of the Kinder Mom team, because all of us are eager to learn from you and your experience. And you know, we have moms who are here with most of their kids are under 10. Most of us have three or four or more kids. And 
So there are questions about how do you ever have time for yourself or do you? And do you get one-on-one time with your kids and how do you accomplish that? And I'd love for you to let us know your thoughts about those things. So quiet time for me, um, again, is a discipline. So if I want time for myself, I know that I need to be out of my bed before my children are out of bed. And so that's trained me to be an early riser and I wake early and I get a cup of coffee and I honestly, I don't start my day in this holy place of prayer. And, you know, like I think a lot of people have this image of, oh, and she gets up and she reads her Bible and, and I do do those things. But honestly, like the first thing I do is I pick up my phone. I have my cup of coffee in hand and there's like one blog. I love to just quickly glance at every morning. And that's what I do. She, she just, it's not even a long Mm -hmm. blog. It's, it's just a simple practical blog. And it's just something that is sort of like a quick encouragement for my day. And then I'm into, okay, now I need to be filled in God's Mm -hmm. word. And, and I need to think about what I need to accomplish today and those things. And Mm -hmm. that's how I get my me time. And I, again, just that Mm -hmm. dying, Mm -hmm is one of those things where I realize I'm not going to get a lot of me time in the season that I'm currently in with little ones. Our youngest is two and um, yeah, I don't Mm -hmm. get out much. Yeah, <laughs> I know we've we've been trying to coordinate getting together for a long time, and it's always like in passing. Hello, goodbye, nice to see you. We'd love to talk um, one day when we're sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> then there'll be grandbabies. That's how that goes. Yeah, it's a busy time. Yeah, and awesome. what was the other part of that question? Oh, so one-on-one time with your kids. How do you accomplish that, or do you prioritize that? Okay, so one-on-one time with my children, I. Um, don't prioritize so much as Mm -hmm. the culture does. I think the culture has this, we have to have a date night with our children and it has to just be the two of us. And instead what I do is I try to seize opportunities. For example, Mm -hmm. I need to run to the store. You know, Johnny, do you want to come with me? I don't have a child Mm -hmm. named Johnny, but Noah, do you want to come with me to the store? (laughs) You know, yeah, one child. And then, and then, and my husband does this as well. Then it'll be someone else will say, well, can I go? And and we just say, no, this time it's Noah's turn to go or it's Sarah's turn yeah. to go. And that's kind of the main thing. Then I just try to seize yeah. other opportunities when, say, a lot of littles are playing nicely together and one is, an older yeah. one is by themselves. And I'll try to, you know, just take a few moments just to check in and say, how are you doing? What are you thinking about? You know, and it, it's just a constant, yeah. it's a constant effort. Yeah. You know, Sarah, come, come help me make some salad in the kitchen or whatever it is. It's yeah. how we do that. Yeah. I've noticed that too, that we don't really have separate times that are like a whole day or a whole evening or even an hour, a lot of times with them individually. And yet I do find just a, even if it's a five minute cuddle and read a book or, um, you know, something like that, that that really is 
sufficient for what we need at that moment because the kids, you know, when there's multiple kids involved like that, they have relationships and affection with each other of playing and having a buddy. And, you know, it's not like if they don't have my full undivided attention that they get no attention. They definitely get attention. There's a lot of love in our house. And I know there is in yours as well. I just think that pressure to accomplish one-on-one time is maybe more elevated than it needs yeah, I to be. Agree. And yeah. um, now that it's a bad thing, because it's great. It's great to have that one-on-one time, but absolutely, there absolutely. are limitations yeah. <laughs> to yeah. our, our days. Well, I'd love to talk about how you navigate sibling conflicts because <laughs> I am guessing that you have a lot of opportunities to navigate sibling conflicts. And really, um, I'd love like super practical what do you do when kids are just at odds with each other? And how do you, especially this is my personal question, how do you help kids move from complaining or really just being whiny about another child that maybe the other child is doing something wrong, but the whining and the complaining is also just like seriously getting crazy. Yeah, I understand that. So we um, have a child that has a form of autism called Asperger's syndrome. And so with that comes a whole lot of conflict. <laughs> and it's just a natural part yeah. of the brain that just causes sort of this argument that comes out of his mouth. And so we deal with that yeah. daily, sometimes more so than others. And mm-hmm. we just have boundaries set up. So if something is going on, I try to listen That's my first, like, I want to listen to the heart. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily the words, but the heart. And Mm -hmm. then um, from there, sometimes Mm -hmm. a conflict means, you know, there's sometimes a resolution is, hey, you're tattling, you're at the table with your head down and you're also at the table because, you know, you did do something and there is something going on. So both of you at the table, head down. And that just gives like some time for the Mm -hmm. flare up to die down. And then from there, I'm always working towards what was the heart issue. Um, Again, back to God's word. What does God's word say about that? Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned sort of the grumbling, whining thing. And one thing I just, so there's a verse Mm -hmm. in Philippians that says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. But the verse that follows that says, and I'm not, I don't have it like right in front of me, but it says, um, so that you might be set apart, holy children of God chosen. And I remind them of that. They're Mm -hmm. chosen. They're chosen children of God. And is this behavior in their heart Mm -hmm. attitude reflecting Mm -hmm. that? And if you start that young and building that life into them and teaching them who they are, Mm -hmm. even if you aren't. I mean, from a, even from a worldly perspective, if you're not teaching them who they are in Christ, yeah. but just teaching them, they are compassionate. They have a heart of love. They, you know, these things, but that we do have selfishness mm-hmm. in us that we want to work out mm-hmm. and think of our other people above ourselves and the golden rule of do mm-hmm. to others as you would have them do to you. Yeah. And so I think it's a, I'm not sure that I have an immediate practical solution other than really a timeout system and then coming back and talking about hearts. And um, it's more of a cultivating that Mm -hmm. heart over the long haul. Yeah, I think that's another just reference to the fact that this isn't going to be sorting out behavior 
like today we've dealt with it and it's fixed. It's definitely, uh, we are mining for the gold over a long period of years (laughs) and um, just seeing that that struggle that we have on a daily basis does not mean that we're failing as moms. In some cases, it really means that we're doing the work well because it's, you know, I think when we have children who are completely compliant on the surface of all things, we may not actually be reaching their hearts, then reaching the heart is really the most important part of what we're doing. And so I just appreciate your thoughts about that. So what are some of the ways that you have helped your children really take on or learn about taking on responsibility around the house? And do you have consequences for when children don't follow through and taking care of those things that they're responsible for? Okay. So... We, again, start this at a very early age and from the time they are big enough to pick up one toy, we say, mm-hmm. we always say, and you'll hear me say this, oh, doesn't it feel good to work? God created <laughs> us to work. And again, mm-hmm. telling them who they are, this mm-hmm. feels good because it does. And how frequently are there things we don't want to do, mm-hmm. but then we get them accomplished and we feel like, yeah. Wow, that was so amazing. Why did I wait so long just to start in on, you know, the that huge load of laundry or that Mm -hmm. gardening project or whatever the whatever it is. And it's the same with our children. We just need to tell them from an early age that they were made to work and it feels Mm -hmm. good to work. And this is an expectation in our home. And we do have a system um, where we give Mm -hmm. like a sticker or a check mark on a chart. Um, every child has a chore and Mm -hmm. in our family, because we're such a large family, everyone has a zone that they're responsible for. So one person would be responsible for the bathrooms. One person is responsible for vacuuming Mm -hmm. and so forth. This keeps my house clean every day. Yes. <laughs> Your house is very clean. I'm like, please and teach I, me. It's been the case again. And it just, I learned that, um, you know, when dad comes home to a clean house, it feels peaceful for him. And he's able to mm-hmm. step in to family mm-hmm. and, you know, let go of his work day. But if he steps into a house of chaos, then it's stressful immediately for him. And so what do I prefer that he would step mm-hmm. into the peaceful. And it's not always peaceful when he walks in the door, don't get me wrong, but that's the goal. And so right. w- the way our system works is you have your chore um, you have to have your chore, your, what your chore is, you get a sticker for, you have to have it done by four o'clock. If you have it done by four o'clock, mm-hmm. you get a sticker for that. If you don't have it done by four o'clock, then you don't get that sticker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the week, this is going to seem mm-hmm. like probably so minimal to people, but what I do is, um, they also get a sticker if they do the high five, which is yeah. morning routine. So it's, it's potentially three stickers a day. And of course they get mm-hmm. opportunities for bonuses, but at the end of the week, we take the, that chart and oh, by right. child, we say, you, know, you earned 21 stickers this week and they get paid 10 cents a sticker. And it's not very much money, but this is how we're also teaching mm-hmm. sort of the saving, spending, tithing concept. So we literally pay it out in dimes so that mm-hmm. they can take their dime or two dimes and put it in that offering bag yeah. when it goes around on Sunday. and. What I've really seen motivate them mm-hmm. is wanting to be able to put something in that offering bag. I, that's more motivating mm-hmm. than actually the money. And I, it's amazing to me. So that's what's working for us right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) We've had different systems over the years as well. And I find that it's so like, I don't know. I feel like things work for a month, maybe two. And then I have to switch in and go with something else, either because the kids are no longer responding to it or I'm just having a hard time keeping up with the actual like execution of this. Each of the children (laughs) put the check mark on that chart themselves. I'm not responsible for any Mm -hmm. of it. So if you forgot to put your check mark on there, bummer. You just don't get the sticker that time. And then on the reverse, if they don't follow through with their (laughs) responsibility, I sort of have this somewhere along the way. I heard the phrase inspect what you expect. So basically follow through. So daily I'm sort of, Mm -hmm. okay, Papa's on his way home. Have you done your chore? You know, and and people will step in and do it. And I haven't really had defiance Mm -hmm. in that area. Um, but I think that's because we start so young and it's just part of our routine mm-hmm. daily. Yeah, I think it's all very good um, just for consideration, knowing that the habits that you build from the early ages really do carry into the older ones. And I guess in that, I I feel like we have some bad habits in our family and that's my own judgment on myself. <laughs> Nobody has said that to me specifically, but what do you do if you're in that place where, you know, we're halfway into this thing and I got it. I just don't know how to start fresh. I don't know how to go to that place of, I would love your thoughts on where to go. I'm hearing here. you because this is how I am sometimes with, what do I do now that, you know, <laughs> there are 12. I feel like I've, yeah, I feel like I've ruined it all because I didn't start when I, I were two. When they were two. Yeah. I, and <laughs> like I said, this was a journey for us too. So my thinking on this is you sit them down and you say mm-hmm. what we've been doing isn't working and I need your help mm-hmm. and we're going to try something new. And I am so mm-hmm. sorry. I didn't start this sooner but we're going to work together and maybe Mm -hmm. even give them a challenge, you know, for you. Like if, if mommy doesn't remember to say Papa's on his way Mm -hmm. home, then I owe all of you an extra sticker or, you know, kind of make Mm -hmm. it a game for them in the beginning. And then it becomes a habit. And once it's a habit, it's sort of like when you're potty mm-hmm. training a child and you give them a little sticker or a little treat every time they go. And event, you're not still when they're 10 giving them treats every time they go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. The habit develops and then it ends up being a process that works and, and then you're on a roll. And then you can tweak it as you yeah. need to. And, and I always just think that humility to our children, just saying, oh, I have so messed this up and our house is going to run so much smoother if we can just come together as a team and do, you know, X, Y, Z and hold me accountable. I love that. Um, I have another question from Robin. She's one of the gals on our team. And she asked, what are some of the ways you make your life easier and how do you simplify with a large household? I say no. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, and Emily, you know this, we don't get together with people Mm -hmm. very often because we just simply can't. So Mm -hmm. we don't do sports. If we had a child that really had a propensity to a sport, we wouldn't be against it. So it's not a Mm -hmm. hard and fast rule, but we pretty much like, I know lots of families are into every sport every season and they sort of fill their plate to overflowing, but then that leaves no time Mm -hmm. for the family unit. And We Mm -hmm. just simplify everything in our lives. We don't have a lot of clothing. Um, We don't have a lot of toys. 
we don't in general have a lot of stuff. So there's not a lot of stuff to keep organized and clean. I mean, like we have enough clothes, but it's not overflowing closets or multiple pairs of shoes or whatever. Um, We also, you know, limit our activities. And I would say the activities we do, we come as a package. So if you want to get together with Isabel, then that's going to mean all of us are getting together, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and then that, that's like, yeah. we're, we're a team <laughs> and we are happy to have your family over to our house in order to be part of our team. And we're all going to learn and play together. And, and there are a couple exceptions, of course, always, yeah. but for the most part, to keep it simple, that's, yeah. that's what we do. I love all of those thoughts. And um, we have to close out here in a minute, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to just think about moms who are in their first five or 10 years of motherhood. And I think it's so easy to get just really overwhelmed with the exhaustion and discouragement and seeing that this really is a long game deal that is not necessarily going to be really glamorous or really easy to get through, what encouragement you would offer a mom who's in that place of just feeling overwhelmed with what it looks like to navigate these years? Right. So the saying that I tell myself all the time and um, I try to tell all new moms and is the, you know, longest days, shortest years. And I can say this Mm -hmm. with experience because I have that are now moved out and out of the household. And those Mm -hmm. relationships end up being, you know, they're adults and busy and your, your touch points aren't as frequent and, um, or not as frequent as you want them to be. And so the years you have when they're little are the most precious years and yet the most exhausting Years and you're up in the mm. middle of the night nursing a baby, and there's a two year old mm. cranky in the morning, and you're exhausted. And just pray and remember it is going to be over in the blink of an eye. And you'll wish you had treasured all mm. of those late nights, cranky mornings when it's gone. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom. And thanks so much for investing in my life personally. You have done that so faithfully over the last five or six years. And so thank you for just being an encourager of young moms. Thank you.